Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Michael Blatchley, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Gray, Reed, and McGraw. Michael, great to have you with us today. Thank you, David, for having me. Michael, tell us a little bit about your firm. As mentioned, I'm Chief Marketing Officer for Gray Reed. We're a uh, Texas firm with offices in Dallas and Houston uh, and 150 lawyers. And uniquely, we are actually split between our two offices. So we, we actually don't have an epicenter of all of our lawyers, which is kind of unusual for our size. Uh, we got literally half in Dallas and half in Houston. More or less a full service firm for you know, a variety of practices and a variety of industries, for better or for worse. Sure. So I imagine that that creates a scope of projects and responsibilities that you have to market, the first of which is internal, right? Marketing the marketing department to your firm. Talk a little bit about how you do that. Yeah. So uh, I've actually been at my firm for 10 years, actually coming up on 11. And when I got here, I was actually the first marketing person. So I've grown with the firm. And and, uh, as, as my team has grown, now we're at five marketing people. And I've definitely learned to, to kind of have, you have to educate everyone to the services offered and what we provide and the value we bring. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things is, in a sense, just being an information resource. You do have to know as best you can, you know, what practices attorneys have, uh, you know, the go-to people, kind of the history, uh, and just being aware of it. And that comes with time. And obviously, it's easier when you have a a firm of 150 attorneys versus a thousand, but that's something I always kind of feel is an advantage for me, just because I can bring that information knowledge. But in terms of of the department, um, a lot of it is is education. So, for example, one of the things we do is every year, uh, and sometimes twice a year, we offer what we call the Gray Read Expo. Uh, and it was something actually uh, I came up with because. It wasn't even a marketing tool. It was actually DocuSign. I kept hearing attorneys like once every other month go, oh, we should get DocuSign. And it was like, oh my God, we've had DocuSign for five years, people. And so I said, what if we offer, a, in a sense, an expo? And it's, it's really more like a TED Talk where we, we bring everyone in the room and we go up and we talk about various services we offer at a very quick pace. So, you know, we, we have like one slide on PowerPoint or something. We go in, we talk about it for anywhere from 30 seconds to, to three minutes, but no more than that. And we, we talk about marketing services and all the various tools we offer there. And we talk about it in the, from IT or, or wherever, you know, the tools are that we need to highlight. And that's been really well received uh, because it helps, you know, the firm is making an investment in these tools and we need to make sure those tools are maximized. So that's one thing yeah. I really found that's helpful. Another is actually we offer a menu of services. And anytime someone joins our firm, I always provide this to them. And it's it's aimed at the individual, not necessarily everything the marketing department does, but what do we do for an individual attorney? It's just a one sheet and it has all our various services. We organize it by like here's things related to business development, or here's things to growing your personal brand or whatever. And that's helped kind of just be a one-stop shop 
for people to not only see what we offer, but also kind of it has on there who the point person is. So, you know, to reach out to those are all awareness of what we offer, but then we want to promote what have we done. And so one thing I would say is every marketing department needs to make sure they set annual goals. I know some firms, you know, you can just operate without goals, but I think, you know, setting yourself, what are you going to accomplish in this year? One will help ensure that maybe you work to accomplish it, but two, it allows you to go to your leadership and say, look, this is what we did this year. This is the goals we set for ourselves and we accomplished them and achieved these results. And I think that's, that's a, something that allows you to come to the partners and, and showcase. And we take it kind of the next level, actually, because, and I'll actually mention at the Marketing Partners Forum, about three years ago, they had a speaker where they were talking about metrics. And the guy actually was from KPMG, if I recall. And he had this annual report that he almost provided as, as uh, to his leadership. And I thought it was really well designed. It was filled with all these metrics and key performance indicators and accomplishments. And I actually use that as my model. So every year, like working on it right now, we put together literally an annual report for the marketing department. And it, it again, it talks about sometimes it's just it's little things like, you know, this year we we secured X number of articles and X number of speeches for our attorneys, you know, or something as simple as that sometimes. It just makes them it helps educate them to the service we provide, but it also lets them see that we're adding all this value to the firm. So those are are all things that I think helps. I, I would say the last thing that everyone should do is every year, and I usually do this in the summertime when it gets a little quieter, I will go and meet with every one of our equity partners if I can. And I try and just pop in, I sit down with them and I, I ask them three questions. And this is basically my feedback program. So we, we always, I think many of us talk about how our attorneys need to go seek feedback. Well, this is us seeking feedback. So I'll sit down with our attorneys and I'll ask them three questions. Uh, how are we doing? What would you like to see improved or done differently? And what are other firms doing that you would like to see us do? And I'll kind of just fire those three questions out at the very beginning and, I'll, and then we'll just talk. We'll have a conversation. And that's been great because it allows me to get that feedback, allows them to air any grievances they have. A lot of times it will help us determine what it is that I want to do in the following year and my plans and, and uh, actions. And it also gives me an opportunity to also, in a sense, start setting the stage for certain initiatives that I want to do. And an easy example of that would be we rolled out a CRM a few years, about two years ago now. And I use those meetings as a way because I would kind of drive the conversation to where they would maybe complain about a lack of ability for us to communicate broadly to to our clients or something. I'd be like, oh, well, if we had a CRM, that'd fix that problem. And so uh, it kind of helped, in a sense, get them ready so that when I presented it to the partners to, to get their buy-in, they had already bought into it. Very good. So to recap, it sounds like you start with educational programs like your expo to make sure that your lawyers understand that the marketing department is there to help them understand the resources that they have at the firm. And you take that to another level and provide a menu of services that are relevant to them personally. You create very clear goals every year and communicate those goals to the lawyers to set their expectations. And then you model the client feedback process by running a feedback interview with your lawyers and asking them, how are we doing? What can we do differently? 
What are you seeing among competitors that you wish you were seeing here? So uh, very comprehensive process and obviously a, an effective way to market your department internally. That's the most important client base, first and foremost, is making sure that your lawyers understand and appreciate what you're doing before you start turning too much focus to the targets beyond the walls of your firm. That's right. So what are some of your objectives this year? You've made this list. You've communicated it to your lawyers. These are the things that we're up to. Uh, what are some of the items? Yeah, this year, uh, I mean, we, we really have, I guess before I answer that, uh, kind of hitting a little bit about what we did last year, because last year was all about, we, we rolled out a new website and it was really actually cleaning up the CRM. And there was a number of things that I would say are, were marketing initiatives in 2018 that we, we achieved. 2019 seems to actually be a little less about what I would actually say are, are common marketing initiatives and more about some of the other areas. Uh, and what I mean by that is this year, we are kicking it off with actually a firm reorganization. We have historically had one layer of practice groups or sections, I guess is actually what we call them. And now we are creating a sub layer. It's not to create a bunch of bureaucracy or management. It's actually more to empower people to have some ownership of those areas. So for example, we have our litigation department. We've always had a litigation section. And in the past, maybe we had an insurance defense, just kind of team, like a group of attorneys that did insurance defense. Maybe there was an equity partner there that kind of, in a sense, managed that group. But you know, there wasn't any sort of structure or empowerment or anything like that. Now under the new system, we would have a litigation department with insurance defense as one of the practice groups underneath it. And we're trying to avoid making it too bureaucratic. Uh, in fact, a lot of the bureaucracy still exists at the top level. But again, it's really about empowering that practice group chair to be an owner of their area. How do they, are they gonna grow it? How are we gonna develop business within it? What do they, do they have the resources they need to be successful? Things like that. So I'm knee deep into that effort uh, because that obviously, in addition to just the operations of the firm, there is a marketing component to it uh, and, and meeting with each of those practice group chairs to, to talk about what it is they need and how we need to move forward uh, in developing business. So that's a big project. That sounds great. So how are you going to foster and continue to foster the right mindset among your lawyers so that they are supportive of the marketing department, supportive of your ongoing objectives? You know, what's the key to ensuring that all of the oars are rowing in the same direction, given that marketing has one mindset and often lawyers have a different one? Yeah, I kind of chuckle at the everyone rowing in the, the same direction because uh, <laughs> I'm being kind. Yeah, it's uh, it's not just even with marketing. It's it's all lawyers, even with lawyers in their own sections. There's a lot of effort with our firm to actually really get everyone to work collaboratively. It's so hard to accomplish to get collaborative discussions. And I, and when I say collaborative, I mean, I'm not just saying like people going and talking and having lunch with each other, but I mean like really having a conversation about how can we best help our client uh, and all of the legal needs that they have, not just maybe what the, the one area of law or practice that we deal with on them. So I think part of it is creating an environment for those discussions. Uh, and you know, one of the things is we, we actually use industry teams. If you don't have an industry team, I think it's it's extremely helpful. It's a lot easier to put a mindset around how can we develop business within an industry 
versus sometimes within a practice, uh, particularly like litigation and transactional. Those are, you know, agnostic industry practices. So, but in terms of how do you foster a culture and even to understand business development and marketing, we really work hard to, to build that even from the, the, the baby lawyer all the way up to the senior lawyer. Uh, and, you know, with the baby lawyers as an example, and what I mean by that is, is basically any associate for the most part, but particularly targeting the younger associates. Uh, every year we do a training program and it's really just a lunch deal. Uh, but I, I usually go in and I'll present a presentation that I call, what do you do to develop marketing and business development when you feel you're at the starting line? And it's kind of an orientation, but it, it, it shows them in the early stages of like, do you even have a target market, you know, and the importance of that and defining a niche all the way to, okay, I have an, a defined group that I'm trying to build a presence in. How do I do that? How do I network? Okay, I have prospects that I've specifically identified. What do I do from there? All the way up to closing the deal with that prospect and then nurturing the relationship. So we really work hard to the that group of associates and to kind of educate them. And, and it only is a 30-minute presentation because we want to leave 30 minutes of that to just have Q&A and to have conversation and, and answer their questions. Then we have a program aimed towards our more senior associates or young junior partners. That's actually a training program a BD 101 program. It's a year long uh, with basically quarterly training sessions where we all gather as a group and have presentations for a few hours. And then we do a monthly coaching uh, that we, we utilize an outside consultant for that. And then for those partners, uh, and a lot of times the laterals that come in, some of that is sitting down with them and making sure they just kind of understand what resources they have, as I mentioned earlier. But then a part of it is also, particularly with our partners, we will offer to, to coach with them or, or even just to meet with them on a however often they want to talk about their business development efforts. And, and it's truly kind of up to them. And we will work with those who want to work with us. We're not going to force ourselves on anyone. But the ones that really want to work with us and will sit with us and develop with us and, and collaborate with us, we can help them with their efforts as, as much as they're willing to, to be helped. So that's something that we found has, has kind of created that culture throughout the firm to be receptive to what we offer and, and to take advantage of it. Very good. So you're building a business development culture through both proactive and reactive measures, it sounds like, proactively at the junior associate level. You've got these starting line sessions uh, where you're helping them understand, you know, you're at the starting line. Where do you begin when it comes to business development? Then you move into a senior associate training with these quarterly sessions that help them to start to understand key concepts. And by the time they're senior uh, associates being groomed for partner, and even at the partner level, you've transitioned them into an outsourced business development coaching program where they're having monthly coaching sessions that are more tailored to the individual lawyer and their objectives. So that's on the proactive side. And then reactively, sounds like you're just available. So if anybody's got a pitch or a need, they know where to find you. Is that right? Yeah. And and it, and very much that available part ties into the awareness side, you know, of and 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 showcasing what it is. You know, if you if you're there to help them with a proposal, you've got to almost at a partner meeting, bring proposal examples and pass them around and let everyone see what they look like so that they understand the what they can come to you for. 
Very good. Well, I know you've got uh, some very specific thoughts to share regarding ROI, and that's the question that I'm going to take us into in a second here. But first, I want to take a quick break for us to talk about the product sponsor for today's program. Practice Boomers is a business development coaching and training platform. There's an online component for performance tracking and clear ROI reporting. And we have a faculty of business development coaches that can work with your lawyers to help them achieve their business development objectives. So speaking of coaching, uh, that's something that listeners who are interested in learning more about outsourcing coaching can contact us for. Uh, you can learn more at AckertInc.com. So back to the question here, Michael. Um, talk to us about how you're taking all of these uh, various goals and initiatives and uh, efforts to build a BD culture and translating all of that into ROI. How do you prove to management that this is all ultimately contributing to real revenue? Yeah, and you know ROI is a toughie uh, because of the nature of how our how the legal industry works. Um, you know, in, in a lot of other industries, you have a sales team who goes out and develops the business and you have, they, they come in, they bring it in and they pass it off to the account executive who manages the account. And then they work with the back room, the, the, the specialists who are producing the work. And each of those three categories are incentivized and to, to maximize what it is that we want them to do. You know, the sales team's incentivized by commission to go out and get the work and the account executives incentivized by the relationship and so forth. Um, the problem is in the legal industry is that we are asking our attorneys many times to be all of those roles. And, you know, they're, they're incentivized to bill hours uh, and to originate, but, uh, you know, it, they may not be incentivized to go and log in the CRM every time that they've had a touch point with a client. And because of that, uh, I think that really hinders the ability to get really effective return on investment. Uh, you can't have it, it makes it tough because, you know, if you have an event, you invite a bunch of people to the event, uh, you know, marketing can log that and we can look at a later point in time to see how many people from that event became clients. But what's not logged is all the other touch points that maybe happened with the attorneys and those clients. So it makes it tough. And I, I do think there are some things like blogs, for example, where you can pretty effectively track return on investment. But or at least or at least return on activity. Right. I mean, there's no disputing that this blog got this many views. And certainly you can make an argument for these people visited this blog and then they contacted the firm and soon thereafter they became clients. So, you know, there's a fairly straight line to draw there. Yep. And, and return on activities. I mean, I think that's something that you should track uh, at a many different levels. I'd mentioned earlier in this interview about how I provide an annual report. And a lot of that is metrics that fall in that category. You know, we have this many blog posts, this resulted in this many views. If we have it, this many phone calls or the website had this many people look at it and so forth. You know, that's all important to track and it can only help you make better decisions if you're really looking at all those metrics that are trackable within the firm. That said, we live kind of in a world of more return on objective. And return on objective is really, that's the question. Instead of it being tied to numbers, it's more of, did we accomplish the, the vision or, or goal that we set ourselves for? So maybe you know, that goal is we want to do 
uh, our energy industry team wants to host, you know, six client seminar education sessions in 2019. That might be a return on objective where you do it. Now, the, the problem is that you're not directly knowing the return on investment you're getting from the effort, but you kind of make some assumptions that based on the value the attorneys feel like they're getting some return there. So I think it's a combination. I think where you can track ROI, you definitely should. Where you can track certain metrics. And a lot of times you may have to build them. There may not be a pre-existing system that sits there and tells you, you know, like Google Analytics is great, tells you all the history. Sometimes you may need to build it yourself within an Excel spreadsheet. But kind of logging that and tracking it and then being able to report it and know it. And then finally, the, that return on objective. And that, that goes back to almost what are the goals that we have established for ourselves in 2019 and what have we accomplished? So it changes the emphasis rather than trying to translate everything into dollars. It's saying, all right, here are our objectives and here are the specific measurable, trackable results that we are going to attribute to each objective. So for our blogging objective, we're going to have this many reads on this many blogs. And for our events objective, we're going to have this many target attendees at these events. But then to try to make an argument that all of that translated into these specific dollars, it sounds like you're suggesting is really at a higher level, perhaps um, not always possible. And so firms should start with return on objective, setting those objectives, setting the targets to those objectives out clearly so that firm management's expectations are set. And then from there, as more sophisticated tools and methodologies come to bear, turning that into more of an ROI revenue tracking exercise. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it, it, I don't think there's a one answer solution in terms of should it be one or the other. Um, and I mean, I'll give you an example of this. If we rolled out a CRM, you know, the, the return on the objective or the, the metric we might want to track is how many contacts we have in there. Uh, and then maybe there are more metrics, like how many have been, how many duplicates have been removed, you know, how many contacts have company names, how many contacts have emails, things like that, that are kind of more data quality questions. But to me, the greatest success of a CRM is the adoption into the culture of that firm. You know, are they using it Right before they go to lunch to meet with a client, are they going and looking to see who else at this firm knows clients there? Uh, and you know who else maybe knows the specific contact I'm about to meet? Those are tools that I don't know how you would even track on return on investment because they're more cultural. So that goes into like, how can we build this cultural awareness to, and best practices within the firm? So I think it's, it really is kind of a mixture of all those to have a, to be healthy. I appreciate uh, your thoughtful approach and your realistic approach. I think you're uh, really looking at this in terms of what do I have control over and what am I willing to be held accountable to? And, and uh, it's very methodical the way that you approach it. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with a question that's maybe a little less methodical and a little more inspirational. So where do you go for fresh ideas? Where do you go to uh, vet some of these concepts uh, so that you can bring them back to your firm and apply them in this very fastidious fashion? You know, when I, I first started in the legal industry, I've always worked with lawyers in my career. Uh, and prior to the law firm, I worked at Southern Methodist University at their law school, actually, 
Uh, I was in their marketing and communications department and responsible for all of that. So I, I've been aware of, of the legal industry and the quirks that it has. But when I first came in, you know, one of the first things I really did is I, I recognized I needed to learn as much as I could. And just finding blogs and podcasts such as this, I guess YouTube videos, I'll, I'll admit, you go, David, this is maybe an opportunity for you. There are not many YouTube videos out there relating to legal marketing. Um, yeah, if, but, if, if this doesn't work out uh, at our company, I just may become a YouTuber. <laughs> there you go. YouTube influencer within the legal industry. There you uh, go. So it's, you know, those things are really great just warehouses of information. Once I've kind of gotten my my knowledge, though, I will admit, I don't really seek that information out as much as I used to, or at least proactively where I'm going and, and, and uh, looking for a blog. Where I actually feel like I get most of it now is through two places. One, on Facebook, Legal Marketing Extraordinaire, which is a, a Facebook group. I always think it has a, a wealth of information that's sent out there and people ask questions and things. So I, I actually get quite a bit. I find a lot of value in that group. I'm also a member of LMA CMO Network, which is kind of a mirror of that. A lot of the conversations that show up in one show up in the other. And LMA's conferences too, whether regional or or the national conference, I think are are very helpful. And then every so often I pick up a book. You know, I'm actually not a big fan of just legal marketing 101 books. I think you really should target, you know, where do you want to improve on and find books that specifically target that. I think that's that's something that has been helpful. And and to kind of go back to that way, the early question, but adding value, if you read a great book, send it to your managing partner or even do a presentation on it uh, mm. within your firm. That's something that I've done a couple of times now, and it's it's really paid off. Uh, to, to almost don't do a book report, but in a sense, kind of do a book report. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Uh, so it, that's that's a, a, a trick that I found has been very helpful. I really appreciate you sharing your your tricks, your thoughts, your um, experiences at your firm, uh, Michael. It's been a pleasure getting to know what you're doing, and I really appreciate you sharing with our audience. You've been listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert. My guest has been Michael Blatchley. Michael, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.